Hey listeners, it's Asher with Unfeigned Christianity. I am excited today to have on the podcast my friend Corey Steiner. So every time you listen to this, uh, the music that I use is done by a friend of mine. It is not something that I bought online or something I'm pirating from some obscure website. (laughs) It's an actually produced by a friend specifically for this podcast. So um, we were just talking recently. I've I've been using it for about a year now and talking about maybe making something new, adding some new music, switching up the sound a little bit or adding some transitional uh, clips or something. But Corey Steiner is a friend I met when my wife and I were serving in Thailand for three years. We met him. He was working with another mission organization at the time and we just connected a couple times during a couple weeks and kind of kind of went talked through some pretty raw stuff some deep stuff um if you've read my book live free um i share some of his story in there as well just kind of uh, processing male sexuality and specifically uh how our understanding of god's love for us and in our our relationship with our earthly dads is connected to our sexuality we we connected over that and talked i think we met a couple times during our time there in in thailand and discovered he's a musician he actually did some recording while in thailand came back to the states around the same time we came back actually in 2017 and then he recorded an album and Kind of because I I really enjoy when I get to know different even authors or or artists or graphic design workers or whatever like I I want to help them out as a lonely podcaster and author can <laughs> and so I asked if he would create some um, intro music and as kind of payment for that I guess could be to um, at, help advertise his album and his music and so i've been using the music for a year now i don't know if anybody checks his music out i always link to his website coreysteinermusic.wordpress.com but uh hopefully you guys do check out his music he's written a couple a few songs he's not he's only done one album i i think he's in the process or will be hopefully doing another one here soon but anyways, decided we, I've been using his music for about a year. Should have him on. And so we discuss music. We discuss what, what is good or bad music, what the role of music is in the life of a Christian, and is it okay if music doesn't always leave you feeling joyful and happy, um, all sorts of good stuff. I just enjoyed our conversation. Rather unscripted. You'll probably hear some babies crying. Um baby my baby crying in the background uh which is as you guys know the package you get with this show so anyways without further ado here's my conversation with Corey steiner all right we are recording Corey. it's good to have you on unfeigned christianity yeah thank you thanks for the invite it's really good to talk to you yeah so um for my audience you hear intro music every time uh you listen to the podcast and outro music and that is Corey steiner's music and he's i've i've been using it now for i think a little over a year i think i started in august 
July or August of last year. Okay. And uh, it's like, I've, I've been thinking about it for quite some time that oh, I should, I need to have him on. <laughs> should have had you on first maybe. And uh, now I just, right now I'm in the middle of recording quite a few batches here before the holidays hit and stuff. And it's like, oh, I should get Corey on. And so, yeah, it's good to have you finally here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to be here. Uh, and I'll go ahead you, and shout out to my buddy, Daniel Beachy. He helped me with that. I okay. don't have any way to really record. So it was good to have him to help me out with that kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah. Are you still making music? Are you still, I you had a am, band there for a little while? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not pursuing it like as a career necessarily. Um, yeah. But I am still, I'm still writing some. I'm not writing as much because um, like we were talking about earlier with having a baby yeah, uh, we just had a baby four months ago, so that changed stuff a lot. And actually, being married changed it a lot. Where I just didn't, um, I didn't have the time as much yeah. to write. I really had to make time. Um, and then also, like my life has been, you know, generally pretty happy <laughs> lately. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of my songs actually come from when I'm not feeling so happy. When I'm really kind of in tune with the more negative emotions is when I write more. Um, yeah. So I still definitely want to do, you know, keep writing and keep, keep recording. Um, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't recorded anything in, uh, since it was early 2018, I think. Um, and right now we have a couple of shows coming up this Christmas that I'm really excited about doing that I put together a really great team of musicians for. Okay. Um, and that's probably what music is kind of going to look for, look like for me where I do a couple big shows or like a mini tour a year okay yeah what all is it is when you, when you talk about the show that you put together is it um primarily you and a band or are there a mixture of music and poetry and stuff like that or what, what all does it look like yeah it's it's primarily a concert um are you familiar with andrew peterson at all yeah, yeah. he has an album called behold the lamb of god uh, mm -hmm. It's his Christmas album. One of my favorite. Yeah. And, yeah. Ever since I heard that album, which was probably at, at least 10 years ago, um, ever since I first heard it, I've wanted to do it live. Wow. And it's a really challenging album. There's some really weird timings. The songs are all, you know, they all sound different and feel different. It's a really tough set. Um, so I've never really been able to, to do it. And now this year, if we finally were able to put the band that can play them, um, and play them really well. And I'm really yeah. excited about that. It's a really wow. great team of musicians. So that's going to be, the first half will be kind of my, some of my own songs and more traditional Christmas songs. Um, and maybe like simpler, a simpler set. And then there will be an intermission. And then that second half will be the, the album. We'll go kind of straight through. Okay. Um, and there will be a reading at the beginning, but most of it is going to be just the, the music. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I have heard of Andrew Peterson for years. I always get mixed up between Andrew Peterson and then Jordan Peterson, the, the oh, yeah. psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't, whoops, just getting a call here. That, that messes up. Forgot to shut that off. Um, I hadn't really listened to him or got into him until 2017, I think it was, 2018. It was okay. his Easter albums. Oh, yeah. That, that really, really struck a chord. Like, he just does an incredible job of not 
not only being like so he's he's got many other albums that aren't necessarily theological so much but like his his easter and christmas albums are very theological almost literally some songs putting scripture to music yeah but it it's in a very moving way the music itself tells the story almost yeah even more than the lyrics he's always had a way uh rich mullins was a lot the same way for me but for some of those guys they've always had a way of putting things in the music where it helped me believe that Hmm. all this stuff is true you know what i mean yeah yeah um and i I, i'm not gonna you know knock modern worship there's a place for it but this has always felt a lot more meaningful to me and even like in the behold the lamb of god show it kind of starts with moses and then works its way up through the the history of israel telling of the coming of emmanuel and there's so much foreshadowing and then emmanuel comes Mm. and to me it's always made the album just mean that much more because it tells it in context of Israel's story. Mm-hmm. And it just, something about it, it just made me, it just helps me to believe that it can be true. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really beautiful album. Behold the Lamb of God for those that haven't checked it out. No, that, that, that'd be really interesting to hear. I wish I could, wish I lived closer to South Carolina. Yeah, I think there actually will be a live stream of the last night. Uh, the last night will be at our church on December 20th. Okay. Um, and I'll probably post the, the link to the live stream and stuff on my Facebook yeah. page. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, so um, you, uh, you've you alluded to this a couple times, and, and I was thinking about this earlier today. Is, um, you were – I've personally always – there's a lot of different worship music that I've really enjoyed, and I, I kind of – even part of my own personal times of – of prayer and worship. I, I love just turning on a, a worship song, but I remember just to give some context to uh, my listeners, as far as how we got connected, we were both serving in Asia under two different ministries. And mm-hmm. uh, one night we had a joint, you were with GTO and mm-hmm. were you, were you on edge or were you working with I was. GTO? I, yeah. I was on edge at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they have once a year. They have a, a, I guess it's their um, the whole mission wide. Uh, it's an acronym. I'm it's slipping my mind right now. But just I kind of a recovery, either, recovery time, regrouping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, and they invited us, some of the other uh, missionaries in as well, workers, and we were there and met you after that somehow we just got to talk and hit it off fairly well um i remember we stood and talked for probably an hour hour and a half just right there in, yeah. the, in the aisle of the sanctuary that yeah um but anyways I, I remember somewhere soon after meeting you you made the comment that you don't like you're not into modern worship music and uh, <laughs> i'm sure i did <laughs> and i was like oh okay um and and you've mentioned that before, how like you you are actually more artistic or into music when you're in touch with negative emotions. And I'm just curious, yeah. <laughs> like tease that out a little bit. Why is that? It seems it seems common to really some of the best musicians out there, as far as just really artsy, just really good at their craft. Yeah, tend to have that more almost gloomy. Can I say like? personality yeah 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 why why is that 
Why do you think that? I'm is? not sure if I have a, a great answer. But I do know for me, I get far more reflective when I'm kind of in that more like melancholy mood. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the, a lot of the uh, lyrics will come from is when I am reflective and I'm, you know, kind of able to look back and it also, I can't put a word on it for me exactly, but I've just always been so much more in tune with what I'm feeling when I am feeling down or I'm kind of feeling, you know, beat up and I, I can tend to be really hard on myself too. So, um, you know, for me, the times when I have messed up and really made a mess of things are actually when I feel closest to God Hmm. and I can actually, you know, I kind of have to trust that he loves me and it kind of comes alive to me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some reason, when things are going really well, it's almost like I can tend to forget that I need God and I just kind of fly through life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of those negative emotions force you to stop and work through what you're what you're feeling and what you're uh, thinking through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for myself that I don't know if, um, I don't, I don't, are you into the Enneagram at all? Are you familiar with that or? I am. Yeah. The, like the different, uh, the nine different personality temperaments or whatever. Um, I am, I come out a fairly strong one, like the improver perfectionist, uh, and it can be easy for me to I'm constantly thinking like how can I improve my state? Mm-hmm. I, I thought I used to think everybody thought that way. Like you, you're constantly critiquing yourself, you're constantly right. critiquing others or whatever. Um mm-hmm. like and that voice in your head. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the critic, internal critic. Um and one of the one of the ways I think that can play out is when I'm going through a really depressing time, um, like just right away moving on to an activity or something that that takes me out, like not staying in those negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And I have found that I actually like there's a few artists, a few Andrew Peterson is one of them that he's although he's not like super melancholy necessarily, but I almost need led into those emotions in order to actually process them and not just like skim over them. Um, yeah. So I, de- I definitely think there's a place for, for that. Uh, even, even, even for people who aren't like may not naturally, I don't know how you describe it. Like the emotions don't naturally direct yeah your mood or something i don't know but sometimes we need that very melancholy kind of reflective yeah a lot of those over the fours right like sorry what was that a lot of those would be like the enneagram fours right yeah yeah i think so yeah kind of i think i wing four okay yeah i think i'm a three and i and i wing four oh okay um so performance is big um i've always felt comfortable being up on stage i've always really liked it yeah. actually yeah um and then i think that the wing four is kind of where my more melancholy side comes yeah in. yeah so you you um you have a you had a band you do you still have kind of a group of guys that 
Because you produced an album, right? Yes. The... So uh, actually, when I was on Edge, uh, I had a really unique opportunity over there because there was a studio over there that That's right. uh, yeah. me and a friend of mine, Tristan Hertzler, got to got to record three, I think it was three songs that I had written while we were over there and spent two weeks recording them, which was actually really, really intimidating because it was the first <laughs> time I'd ever recorded in a studio. And yeah. the, the producer was really, really good. He knew his stuff really well. The sound was really good, but we couldn't communicate. Oh, man. So I knew, I knew a little bit of Thai and he knew a little bit of English. So there was a little bit of overlap, which is not, not a lot. Yeah. And, um, it was really, I'm really happy with how those turned out for the, you know, all of that being the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really cool chance to be able to do that while we were on edge. Um, and then I did one, uh, one other EP at a studio that was more local here in South Carolina um, and had a group of guys help me out with that. And my wife helped me out on the, the vocals on that as well. Oh, but I've, I've not had necessarily like a, a set band, um, but I do have, there's a couple guys that I'll always go to when I'm doing a, if I have a, a show coming up where I want to do a full band. Yeah. I definitely have like my, my go-to guys. Yeah. I, I remember you, we, in one of our talks together in Thailand, um, you, you were just kind of processing like the, the struggle of being attracted to a style of music that is maybe not as typical or traditional in, mm-hmm. in our Anabaptist upbringing and so forth. Yeah. And I'm curious, what, what are some of the things you've, you've processed with that? Or do you mind sharing at all? on that yeah and i'm kind of trying to think back to where all (laughs) i was at back then too (laughs) yeah Um, well i mean even just i remember you even talking about like wrestling with is it okay to want to be on stage and like mm -hmm. to to enjoy that kind of work yeah yeah there's so in in regards to that question first is it okay to be on stage? That is something that I kind of wrestled with a little bit because we do, as an Anabaptist culture, we do kind of have a, a little bit of a hang up about people being on stage and, and uh, performance, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's parts of that that are good because there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, for me even, like if I play a good show, I'm often really proud of it. Mm-hmm. If I play a, a bad show, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. And I'm, you know, it kind of can get to me sometimes. So there's like the, the ups and downs of that. But then there's a, I got to meet a guy from uh, Colorado, a songwriter. And he has one song. I think he was in, he was probably an Enneagram three too, but he loved being on stage and he was a performer, a musician. And in one of his songs, he had the line, he'd written the line, could my love for spotlight bring your greater love for grace? And that's <laughs> a line that's always stuck with me. Um, Cause it, I, I don't think God accidentally made me to love the the stage, you know, yeah. like yeah. maybe it's something that I'm going to have to learn to deal with my pride when it comes up and have people around me that can, you know, kind of pull me back down to earth when I have a really good show yeah. and I'm really, you know, is proud of myself and proud of how it went and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, not everybody's comfortable on stage. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so maybe it's a gift. And then when used in the right context, even my broken, you know, longing for attention on the stage can still mm-hmm. bring something good, can still bring God's glory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of the Eric Little quote from Chariots of Fire. Are you familiar with, with that movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something to the, to the extent of, I was made to run. When I run, I feel God's pleasure or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've thought about that too. Like we, you know, we're, we're gonna, just because we don't do things we enjoy doesn't mean we're, we're humble because we might, yeah. <laughs> we might be intentionally avoiding that and then get prideful about our, our mm-hmm. ability to avoid prideful things or something. Right. Yeah. And almost the, almost the, um, I haven't thought through this a whole lot, but I think the epitome of humility is embracing who God made us to be. And you like just looking at him as we're doing it and enjoying it instead of yeah. trying to create this facade of humility or something. That, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there's something like for me, it's music and being on stage and playing music, but it's just like that sweet spot feeling, you know, mm-hmm. where I get up and I'm with a, a group of people and we're playing songs for other people and trying to make it as beautiful and good as we can. And it just like, I, I absolutely love it. There's something about it that I just, I love. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of that feeling of like, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. And maybe I can bring something good in that area. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with like, with, as you were asking earlier about the like music style and that kind of thing. Yeah. And part of it too was I've, I've often connected as much with songs that are not from Christian writers or, um, you know, don't really have any kind of a Christian background at all. So I was, I think I was wrestling through that some and um, I still, get a lot of inspiration from a lot of different artists who are not Christian artists. And I still love a lot of music. Like David Gray would be one of my big inspirations. Hmm. Um, and he's a, he's a, from the UK okay. and definitely not Christian, but the way that he puts words and phrases together, just it's a, it's a little yeah. bit like what we were talking about with like Rich Mullins and some of those guys where it's just hmm. something rings true about the way he puts things together. Mm. Um, but what I did kind of find is that I don't think that's really where I'm supposed to be. Um, Mm. when I got back from edge, I was trying to play music as much as I could. And I kind of wanted to do it as a career if it was at all possible. And Mm. so I was playing quite a bit at like coffee shops and bars and pubs and that kind of thing. And it just never really felt, it never felt right. Um, and then I also kind of found too, that I was really trying to look the part. And part of that's probably because I'm a, an Enneagram three. Um, but you know, like the skinny jeans and the trying to, trying to just trying to look the part. Yeah. And uh, let's see, as far as like the timeline, I just started dating my wife who is now my wife. 
And we had a conversation about this, I think, just about like, how do I feel playing some of this stuff? And um, I had one show that I remember just went horrible. Like it went so bad. And one mm. thing about playing it like a, a venue, like a, a venue that's not gospel based, mm. playing a show that's not gospel based is if you play a good show, everybody who heard you wants to talk to you. The sound guy wants to talk to you. You're, you're really popular. And that's a lot mm. of fun. When you play a bad show, everyone ignores you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sorry. It, it, was, it was a really lonely feeling. Yeah. And to me, it was just kind of like, man, playing in the church, even if I play a bad show, maybe I can still bring something good because we can still connect on my own story and my struggles. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. And to an extent, you can do that outside of the church too, but it just felt like my voice just seems to fit more in the church. Hmm. Um, And I talked to, to Casey about it. And she said that she had been feeling a lot of the same things, but didn't feel like it was her place to to tell me. And that kind of validated it for me a little bit too, that like the church is my, my place. You know what I mean? And I I remember this sounds really, uh, yeah, it sounds really stupid, but I remember actually praying to God and saying that I'm going to stop. I don't need to wear the skinny jeans anymore. I'm going to go back to wearing khakis to church. And Hmm. like, it's a really simple, small thing, but to me, it kind of symbolized that I don't have to look the part. I don't have to be this certain thing. Like, I feel like my place is here in my own community and in the church. And I'm going to be okay with that. I think is kind of what that symbolized in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, a lot of it has just been, um, I play music at church for worship um and then you know playing some shows at churches every now and then here and there and some fundraisers and stuff like that it's definitely different than it was before but i think i'm i think i'm good with that mm-hmm. yeah that that's really neat um it's interesting just I mean, we, we don't actually know each other super well. We, we connected fairly deeply there for yeah. a couple of weeks in, in Thailand. And, um, but I've seen enough of your, or heard enough and seen enough of your journey th- that hearing this, like remembering our conversation back then and kind of what you were processing. And, and I, know, I know you um, at the time, at least my impression was you were, you were even processing a lot of stuff just about God in general. Like, is he like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if it was so much like, is he real or not, but even just like, does he love you? Does he, does he care about you? Um, Yeah. And, and it's really neat just kind of seeing how this journey has continued. And, and yeah, I'm just curious, like maybe, maybe you want to talk about some of that journey with, with God discovering more of God's perspective of you. But yeah, where, where is, or how has music shaped you? How do you think it, it shapes us as Christians and, and yeah, like what is a journey 
with God like in in regards to music and so forth? I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so I think over there, when we had our conversation, a lot of it was, you know, I've never doubted that God is real, but I can often doubt that he loves me. Mm. Um, and some of that is like the, that performer side of me, um, mm. where when I'm not performing well or what I think isn't performing well, then there's no way that anyone could approve of me. You know, it kind of becomes my identity a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm not even sure like what to really point to. Cause it's kind of just been like a long process of, you know, people spending time in conversations like the one that you and I had. Um, hmm. And then actually a really big thing for me was getting married. And hmm. my wife has been so gracious with me, um, you know, in my ups and downs. And I mean, you kind of, you know how this is too, but having someone believe in you and, and uh, trust you that much helps me believe that maybe God can, do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was something that was that was really big. Um, and then, two, there's an Andrew Peterson song. I promise I listened to more than Andrew Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a song called I've Seen Too Much off of that um, Easter album you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and that one actually really connected a lot of dots for me um and the the song is kind of written at least most of the songs written from thomas's perspective um kind of saying talking through some of the doubt and then saying i've seen too much i've seen mm -hmm. the, the scars and um i've seen too much to say goodbye and i think that's kind of where i find myself is where I, through my church community, through my friends, through my wife, through seeing God change me um, and seeing the way that he's worked in me, it, it almost, it, it mostly just feels like I've seen too much to, to uh, turn away from it, you know? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense or not, but. No, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah I think that's the best way I, I know how to how to describe it. And I still yeah. have to remember the, the big part is remembering that, you know, David did this all the time. Remember, you know, kind of thinking back to all the times that God has rescued him before. If he'll go through all this doubt, but then in the Psalms, he always turns back to, but I know you've always rescued him before. And I know you're going to do it again. I trust you. Yeah. To do it again. Yeah. So there's still yeah. that, but um, I think it's the combination of a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely what I would probably point to. It's like there, you you can go through things in life that adds a whole new, <clears throat> excuse me, adds a whole new boatload of questions and problems <clears throat> that we have to sort through. But because of what we've come through or because of what God has revealed, whether it's through other people around you or whatever mm -hmm. um you can't just 
say, oh, this new problem, these new questions prove God isn't actually involved or caring or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I would throw in the birth of my son as well, because, you know, looking at him, I was holding him, putting him to sleep the one night and kind of had this, this moment. And I, it kind of brought me to my knees a little bit, hmm. but he was, he's, he was so little and he didn't really have anything to offer me. Right. Like, it's not like he can just do stuff for me, but I still would do anything for him. And there was kind of just this thought of that's how I think of you. And it just felt like it was coming from God, just kind of reminding me that, you know, the same way that your son, the best thing that he can do is just be who he is, be a baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love him more than I know how to explain. And I think God's a little bit the same way. Yeah. Yeah. We, when, when we met back in Thailand, that was like 2016, 2017, somewhere there. Um, I was right in the middle of writing my book, live free. And, uh, which you are actually a part of that book a little bit. Yeah. Shared some of your story in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just writing the section about God and discovering God's love, which had already been an impactful part of my journey. Mm-hmm. I was right at that time of writing it. I was just entering the stage of, I had two sons and they were coming to the age where they their volition their will was beginning to fight i mean this happens young you already know this but (laughs) but even in a more rebellious way um fighting against dad yeah and i thankfully not to that stage yet (laughs) (laughs) and maybe this is the bigger thing is we were at the stage where i was beginning to to make mistakes in Mm. training them and and it's just realizing um, how a couple things, first of all, how I have so much love for them mm-hmm. and yet I am making mistakes that they're probably going to read as me not loving them. Yeah. And so like, just realize like it, it gave me a new perspective of how to look at my own father and his mistakes. Yeah. But then also just realizing so many times my, my sons think dad is not loving them or dad is against them and i'm actually like desperately for them i'm wanting them and and that like that in itself writing that section of the book as i'm like trying to train begin training my sons and walk to my sons was really eye-opening for me in understanding god better as well yeah yeah that's really good yeah so um what do you think of music and just to kind of take a left turn here, <laughs> um, the, the evolution of style and the evolution of music and just what is acceptable in, in Christian circles and, or any kind of any cultural circle, I guess. Um, what, what's kind of some of the things that you've processed as you, so you've shared about, flirting or I don't know if that's how you talk about it, like dabbling in the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
in the non-Christian sector or not the not specifically like gospel centered. Right. Yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually like, when I wrote, I was actually trying to, that's something I kind of forgot to say, but I was actively trying to leave God out of it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized it's just too big a part of my life for me to, yeah. like, I can't write and leave it out. Yeah. I felt like so many of my songs were just unfinished because they, they didn't have yeah. a, yeah, they were just missing something. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I kind of jumped in on you. No, that's that's okay. That, that's interesting, actually. That's just a totally side trail. But um, there's a couple authors that I've really liked in the past, but they've shifted to um, trying to speak to a broader audience, not just a Christian mm-hmm. audience. And some of their recent books have had that feeling. It was like it was so good, but we never quite got to the punchline. Like there was yeah. more that could have been given. And just just what you just said there about leaving something out is like uh, that explains a lot. Like I understand the desire maybe to tone down specifically. Something's happening out in the room. <laughs> specifically, Christianese language that like non Christians might not understand or yeah. But but it does feel like when you leave God out or the gospel out, like you you are leaving out a huge part of yeah absolutely of what can speak into any experience really mm-hmm. um but anyways yeah just going back um now i'm trying to remember where i was going uh talking about music style and and christianity and yeah are you talking about like specifically in the in the church like what the styles have evolved in the church yeah styles have involved in the church or even just like in our personal lives like is there i guess this is the question i was gonna ask you what what have you learned about just in in that journey this is that's obviously particularly you playing music and making music Mm -hmm. but even just in the role that music has in our lives does it matter what kind of music we listen to? Does it, what is, what is criteria that you, you use for, for, for navigating the evolution of music? Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Obviously I think, um, I think there's a number of people listening who, or who are familiar with me and my writing. Um, if you listen to the intro music, <laughs> you know that <laughs> I I am not just an acapella only kind of guy. I might, yeah. I I maybe don't fit the typical conservative Anabaptist mold on my style mm-hmm. of music. I don't know, but there is criteria, obviously, that I think about. Um, but I'm just curious, yeah, just to have a little dialogue about this. What? Yeah. So this might be a hot take. <laughs> I'm not sure. But for me, a lot of what I go off of is based on the lyric. Um, but then at the same time, music and lyric work together to create a, a complete picture, right? So it's not mm-hmm. just one or the other. But I grew up listening to Southern Gospel, and that was pretty much all I was supposed to listen to. And Southern Gospel has a lot of country roots, so it's very, very simple music and very lyric-based. Um, so I kind of grew up just 
hearing lyrics, you know, with Southern gospel. And that's always what kind of stuck out to me first. So that's something that I go off of. And I honestly would be quicker to listen to someone like um, U2 or David Gray um, than someone like Bethel Music or Hmm. somebody like that. Um, And again, like I am not trying to just bash modern modern worship music um i know there's a lot of people that really um enjoy it and more than enjoy it are encouraged by it and all that but i guess from like a songwriter's perspective um i've always felt like modern worship songs are written with too big of a goal Hmm. um, and they're written to kind of try to meet everybody in any given room wherever they're at with whatever issue they're going through um, and to me, it just ends up feeling too generic hmm. where a lot yeah. of times in writing, it's kind of ironic, but often the most specific and personal is the most relatable. So hmm. that to me is kind of like the fatal flaw of a lot of modern worship. And there are still some really, really good songs. Hmm. Um, and I still sing some of them and I still, you know, we still use them in some of them in our church. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's an across the board thing, but by and large, it feels like it's written to too big of an audience with too big of a goal instead of yeah. being a little bit more personal. Um, so for me, I think I probably honestly kind of hesitate to draw a line on like this music genre when we're talking simply music is, you know, out in left field and we should stay away from it. And yeah. these over here are fine. Um, I'm not quite sure what I think about that. Honestly, I listen to a lot of different styles. Um, and I don't know that I really think about it all that much because like my home is kind of like folk music. Um, oh, okay. yeah. and there's some, some rock and roll in there too. And a lot of country. Um, and that to me, like the lyrics in a lot of those songs, the music just matches them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So groups like Need to Breathe and Drew Holcomb and um, even Switchfoot's pretty good at this, U2. Mm. Um, all of them are really good at taking whatever lyric the song might have and they do really well at getting music that just really completes the song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess that's more what I look at it's kind of more of like a broad good art and bad art kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you can have mm-hmm. like, you can have like um, Southern gospel songs that sound fine and the drums are really quiet and you know, it's mostly four part harmony, but the, the lyric has really bad theology or bad eschatology yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess for me, I try to try to uh, look in kind of like a big picture, good art, bad art kind of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which i know there's definitely room for interpretation there it's not like it's a set rule, yeah but that's kind of where i find myself what what is what is the role of music and, and when i say music i'm meaning everything from lyric to the the musical arrangement of it to even i mean we've got nowadays we've got music videos too you can do a lot with Oh, I think one of my favorite music videos of this year is probably um, Bleed the Same by uh, Mandisa and Toby Mac. 
in okay. Kirk Franklin. Because in the video itself, it's it's portraying – like a lot of music videos are just like the band in a church or something playing yeah. <laughs> and, and don't necessarily have yeah. a lot. But but the video itself is portraying the message. Um, yeah. They have a, a, a bunch of different ethnicities involved and in, in, – mm-hmm. It's it's a song about how all of us bleed the same. So why are we so divided? And, right. Um, what what is the role? Is there is it okay? Like, do should all music end, or should all music have a a focus on Jesus? Is that is that a way? I'm mm. I, I'm trying to figure out how to ask my question i don't know if you understand like sometimes we can think that all all christian songs should well let me do it in the negative there are some musicians out there that i've heard criticized because they're kind of like we were talking earlier they're very negative melancholy and people think they just keep people in the depressive mode depressive um i have yeah, well, I'll just throw that at you, and then I've, I've got some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So, like, kind of, like, does it have to portray the gospel in every song that we yeah. sing? Or, Is that kind of what you're or asking? Or does it have to be joyful and uplifting? Oh, oh yeah. Like, what is, yeah. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think one thing that the arts can really do well is to help. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but it's to help us um, recognize the meaning in sadness. Because hmm. um, I think when we try to just distract ourselves from sadness by, I want to be careful how I say this too, because there's, there's some good to this, but when we try to distract ourselves from sadness by just thinking about all the good things in our lives and the good things that God's doing. Do we miss something that we actually need to be sad about that we actually need to process and think through? And maybe the arts can kind of help us um, as a tool to work through some of that. Mm. That has definitely been my experience. Yeah. Um, And I think as a, like in Christianity, Yeah, in Christianity, I think we as followers of Christ need to learn to be okay with sadness sometimes. And Mm -hmm. like this is probably a really bad example, but even like when you think of someone who has died, we have these we have these uh, cliches that we often say about them being in a better place or, um, you know, they've gone on and they're waiting for us. You know what I mean? to, to mm. kind of help us feel better. And that's natural. And it's not like it's necessarily wrong, but there are also, I think the arts can kind of help us feel the weight of this mm. is death. And this is not the way that the world was intended to be. And that's why this hurts so much. Mm-hmm. So this is heavy and sad, but there's hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I mean, we, we scripture is full of examples of whether it's David or even I think of Jeremiah um, lamentations oh, yeah. and like sometimes we look at David and David often ends his psalms with hope and that's kind mm-hmm. of the 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 nature of psalms um, what they were used for were 
poems and, and writings to recite and embedded in them is the Jewish theology and Jewish understanding of God's working throughout history. Whereas you, you go to Lamentations and Lamentations does have hope too, but there's chapters that are extremely sad. Like, yeah. And he's just kind of sitting in the grief of, Mm -hmm. of Israel's sin, the grief of what's going to happen, the, the good things that they have lost because of their rebellion against God. And, um, and I think, yeah, I, I think for me, a lot of it changed after, so my mom was killed, um, actually just coming up on eight years ago on Friday. We're recording this on the the 2nd of November on the 6th is um, when she was killed. Um, And it was after that experience where, so we, we got married four days later and a month later we found out we were pregnant and (laughs) it's like four months after that we were asked to move to Thailand. And so there were constantly things taking our attention off of the grief um, and good things like getting married, having a baby, um, even even new a new job and relocating to a new new country like all of that mm-hmm. is exciting and good but i found that in that focusing on the next thing and focusing on the the good things that are happening which wasn't like an intentional like i just want to focus on it but it was more just kind of natural because of what was presented with us throughout life I found myself never sitting in or processing the negative emotions of grief. And we, we might think that, Oh, you know, then I, you know, you skip that part, Mm -hmm. but you don't like it ends up coming out as anger or um, even, even you can hit moments of just depression where you're not sure where that came from or something. Um, And I had, and this is kind of what I was referring to earlier. I had, to learn to get find music that would lead me into those times of just grieving and sitting in some of these, those emotions so that Jesus can, maybe this sounds cliche too, but so that Jesus can meet me there. Yeah. And it's not like I only meet Jesus when I'm feeling positive, but, but even in that grief. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, that Pixar movie, Inside Out. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like a, a kid's movie. But I cried as hard on that movie as I have in probably any movie I've seen. Yeah. And I cry on most movies that I see. So it's not necessarily saying a lot. But <laughs> um, yeah, like when we refuse to feel sadness, like you were saying, it comes out in anger. It kind of hardens us. Yeah. I don't know. Can you hear my, my, our daughter's crying out there? I'm not sure if that's oh. coming through. Ah, oh, just barely. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with, uh, gray something? I'm going to have to look them up. Ah. Is it a band? She waits. 
they have the album She Waits. Grey Havens, is Grey that Havens? the name? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. And um, I'm horrible with band names, but um, The Brilliance, I think, is it? That does, like, The Brother. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Those, I've really enjoyed those. I, I'm actually, I love music, and I, my wife and I make music. We make worship music, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not not we don't record music. We just, as a couple, enjoy making music. And oh, that's uh, really cool. Um, does it does does that is that something that you guys can kind of, um, like you guys like playing together and and singing together? Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't do near as much of it anymore with with four kids, but we. That's really the thing that we connected around originally, and yeah still do like we we love doing that whenever we can that's great um but what i was saying uh i'm not that up on like the newest music band and stuff like that i rely on my younger siblings i've got a younger brother (laughs) and sister who are really into music and they throw artists at me and stuff and and uh the last couple years getting into gray havens and the brilliance a lot more and what I really like about them is not only do they do some of that, I don't know, contemplative style music where, yeah. where you're kind of processing like real life issues, but they, they create like so many albums are just like one track that is completely more or less disconnected from all the other tracks. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's the same kind of along the same topic, but it's not like you need it's not like if you miss the first track, you wouldn't quite understand track eight or something. Yeah, it's not telling like a long story. Yeah, yeah. And they, the those those artists do a really good job of creating albums that are like a story. You listen yeah. through the whole album, and it's a story in the lyric, in the music, mm-hmm. and I I find that really, really powerful. For yeah. And they're not, they're not negative. They're not just negative. Like they're really beautiful. I, I think of Grey Haven's album, She Waits. Like that's a really beautiful album talking about the, the bride of Christ. We were yeah. waiting for, for, the, um, I was going to say the bride to return, but the groom to return. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think that's a neat, neat way of creating music and art in the, yeah, I love that. Um, like we were saying earlier, that's what pulled me into Behold the Lamb of God so much. Yeah. Because um, I've always loved, I've always loved albums that kind of feel like they take you on this, you know, like they're going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really powerful way, anymore with the way that you, you know, just go on Spotify and download a song that you like from an artist we don't really hear full albums as much anymore. Hmm. Um, and part of that's okay. Um, but I really, I still love like getting an album and just listening all the way through. Mm-hmm. I think there's something pretty cool about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, thanks for, uh, coming on and chatting. I, uh, enjoy connecting yeah, a little bit again and, talking about music and and uh definitely 
I think it was you actually. You were one of the first guys that I talked with that gave me a, a real life picture of someone my writing was in, impacting or influencing in some way, shape, or form. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's been really like I, I remember where I was at in we you know Kevin Nisley, right? From, oh yeah, he absolutely. Was, yeah. He was still there. Yeah, look at it. Um, he was a huge cheer cheerleader in getting my book finished. <laughs> he was yeah. the. Uh, I think he's actually the one that intro- introduced me to your writings for the first time. I think. Okay. Yeah. He um, he had a way of making me feel like like there was well, like I was doing great work. There was better in me. Um, yeah, kind of, and, the, and then. Bit. And pushing me and, and even critiquing um, if the first version of my book went out, I don't know if anybody would have read it. And <laughs> thanks to him, he, uh, he helped me, but where I was at when we met, when you and I met was kind of at that place where I was just like, man, I don't know if, if I'm an author, if I should even try writing a book and, uh, and then we we connected and we got to talking and it kind of gave me a, just a new vision for like yeah you should keep keep writing obviously and um and then soon after we met my dad called me I, we were still in Thailand and okay he was telling me he had been down in Mississippi or South Carolina no I don't know some at a funeral down south somewhere and he met this guy that got to talking and and um was had had read some of my writings on father son wounds and father son struggles and stuff and uh and wanted to talk to Ernest Whitmer the my dad and yeah. anyways came to find out that it was your dad that he was he had talked to really and yeah i don't know I don't if i ever I told you that. that i think i knew that <laughs> And, uh, and so that was like, Oh wow. Like, so here's actually a, uh, and I knew like we had just talked and, and that was one of the things we talked about was your own relationship with your dad. And I knew the journey that you were on and then yeah, to yeah. hear, to hear your dad's, or at least through my dad, to hear some of your dad's journey, um, is, it just kind of gave this little encouragement to just keep going and keep, um, keep writing and, yeah and so i've i've always ever since we talked and you shared about not only your story but even just your vision your your dream of mm-hmm. being a musician at the time um, yeah definitely have wanted to continue fanning that flame in any way shape or form that it is i uh i think personally i think we need more musicians and different kinds of musicians different kinds of of artists, uh, there are, I, I know quite a number of really, um, talented musicians that in our, in Anabaptist circles that are, uh, good vocalists, good, good with arranging choral music and so forth. Yeah. And, uh, and that can be really powerful too, but I, uh, definitely bless you in the journey that you're on and, you know, creating, I don't, I don't know if you'll, do more albums ever again or not, but, um, Oh, I, I definitely hope so. Yeah. Um, 
I'm kind of, I'm hoping to be able to get, get another one out in the next year or so. Okay. Um, so hopefully yeah. there's a lot of things that need to come together uh, with money. It's always money. Yeah. <laughs> I know the <laughs> feeling. Some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely, I do have more, far more songs than the ones I've recorded. Most of them are never going to get recorded, but I do have another set that I'm, I'm really excited about being able to record yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate that encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. And let us, let, let me know whenever that comes out is, is you're still kind of the, if people want to look up your music and stuff, is that still Corey Steiner music.wordpress.com? That's the, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do have some updates on there, um, for the stuff that we're doing this winter. Okay. Um, the whole mm-hmm. limb of God shows, uh, are on there. There. <laughs> Don't look back very far because I think I posted back in 2018 when I did that recording. And then I don't think I've done anything on that website until, until this fall. Recently. <laughs> so okay. there's a, yeah. yeah, there was a big gap, but um, I am wanting to do a little bit more on, um, on my Facebook page, even just videos of my wife and I uh, singing and playing. Yeah. Um, and that's been, uh, that was, that's been kind of a challenge of its own too. Cause my wife is really, really talented um, and grew up singing and is a great vocalist and plays piano. Um, but our styles and what we were used to were so different that we actually had, hmm. we've had to work really hard to, to uh, be able to do it together. Interesting. And yeah. we're getting, we're getting to where we're having a lot of fun playing together now, yeah. but it, it honestly brought a lot of tension for a little while. <laughs> wow. Just that's in interesting. Our, in our relationship, just in, you know, I, I kind of just like to wing it and she liked to know, you know, well, exactly what chord are we hitting when, yeah. and, which is important, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Um, but just in the, the different styles of, of playing and singing and some of that, we're getting to where we're having a lot of fun playing and, and I want to be able to post some of that um, and new songs that I, that I write to just stay a little bit more up with it. Cause I haven't really yeah. done a whole lot of that at all lately. So yeah, hopefully that'll start to happen a little bit here. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely check out. Um, yeah. The website and the Facebook page, you say you're hoping to post that on the Facebook page for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the events coming up for Christmas, I'm assuming those are public events. If people want to, if they're in the South Carolina area, you can, where are you at in South Carolina specifically? So it's a three night, just a little mini tour. Um, We will be in, uh, we'll be at Foothills Community Church in Tryon, North Carolina on the 18th of December. And then we'll be at Shiloh Mennonite Church um, on the 19th of December. That's in Abbeville, South Carolina. And then we'll be at our church, Foothills Fellowship. Um, in Westminster, South Carolina on okay. December the 20th. All of them are at seven o'clock. Um, I have details on my website, but it is not a, a ticketed event. It's just general admission. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry, not general admission, um, donation based. Mm-hmm. There will be like a love offering taken. Um, cause I don't, you know, I want as many people to be able to come as possible, but it does cost some money to yeah. put on a production of this, uh, of this type yeah. Um, but seating is all general admission and there should be plenty of room at all of them. So if you're in yeah. the 
in that general Southeast area, come on and check them out. Yeah, no, that sounds good. What, sorry, you said the dates, but I've, I've, I'm missing them right now. Yeah. Uh, December 18th, 19th and 20th. 19th. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm going to, we're recording this on November 2nd. I think I'm, we'll probably have it out in about a month, probably the beginning of December. Okay. So yeah, it should be, should still be a couple of weeks if people want to go check it yeah. out. And, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Hey, thank you, Corey. We'll have to have you on again. Maybe after you get that other album out. And, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Josh. It was good talking to you. Yeah.